The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, Mountain Park. Um, good morning. So glad you're here and uh, welcome once again. My name is Alan, and I'm going to be continuing a, our summer series that's called Track record uh, four. On August 5th, as we launch into the fall and go into our three celebrations, each and every one of you is uh, going to get a CD called Track Record Four. Marsh and I uh, had this idea a number of years ago, and this is now our fourth version of it, where we take a selection of songs, and the band does their own version of it, a selection of songs that we believe we are going to be using as a part of our worship celebration in the upcoming year. And so the idea is that you would get to know some songs. You'd be able to play it in your car, put it on your iPod, get to know some of the lyrics, and maybe even look forward to one, two, or three of those songs because you know where they go. Maybe there's some connection that you have with some of the lyrics, and then it would enhance your worship experience. The whole idea is to have a track record with these songs so that uh, our worship together would kind of go to uh, another level. So that's the whole concept. And so we're looking at a few of the songs that are going to be on track record four. This morning I'm going to be looking at a song, at the song that uh, Marsh and the band just sung called The Same Love. And uh, I, I, I really, it's a new song for me. I really like it. I'm really excited about it. So uh, as we launch into that, would you bow your heads with me? Father, we are thankful once again for the opportunity to worship together. I know that the singing concept is going to be real different for many in the room. Some are very excited about that opportunity. Uh, some uh, uh, maybe are not quite connecting with that whole idea just yet. And so I pray that you would uh, stir something up within us with regard to this song. They are gifts for us, these songs that you've creatively, creatively provided for us. So we want to engage with this so that we can engage with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, the song is called The Same Love, and I think that the point of the song is that God is calling each and every one of us to something unique, something specific, that God's calling is not just a blanket, a generic, uh, go ahead and be something better, but that God is calling us uniquely to something. I have been here in... Uh, Phoenix area for six and a half years now, and uh, after being here, I've been transformed by the Ahwatukee culture. Uh, when I was in the Midwest for nine years before I came out here, and I was getting bigger and wider and happier on all the casseroles, and, and uh, I don't know if it's Ahwatukee or midlife crisis or a combination, but, uh, uh, and it mostly started with Susan Loken, it's her fault, because she started to get me running. Ugh. And so then doing these, uh, these little races and stuff. And then I've, as I've lamented with you uh, in the past, I, I'm trying to learn how to swim and trying to not drown uh, on the, the laps as we go along. And then this past week, I did a new venture and I got myself a used road bike. So that's kind of the new thing for me so that I can annoy all the drivers in the neighborhood just like many of you. So I can join in with that. So I feel like I'm very much uh, a part of the culture now. Um, but one of the things that I've learned with all this stuff is that there's a huge difference between exercising and training. Huge difference between exercising and training. See, exercising is basically saying, this stuff is of value, it's good, it's good to get out there and do this stuff. But exercising is really easy to skip. 
When, when there's not a plan, there's not a place that you're going, exercising is just easy to say, you know, I don't feel like it. Uh, there's a little drizzle, I think, outside maybe. I was up late last night. I watched uh, a few too many episodes of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, and so uh, I just feel a little bit tired. My finger hurts a little right there. See, when I move it like this, it kind of hurts. I'm not exercising today. It's so easy to just skip it over to find some kind of excuse to move on. But training is different because there's a plan. There's a thing, you've got, to, you've got to get this done by this because it all kind of rolls against each other because you're moving towards something. And in training, it's a whole lot easier, it's a whole lot more difficult to skip something. For me, the way I experience training is that it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter how I feel in the morning. I gotta get up and I gotta do it. Today, I gotta do four miles or I gotta do 10 miles or 14 miles or whatever the thing is. You just gotta do it. And the issue is not how I feel. The issue is how many more miles do I have to go or how much longer do I have to do this thing in order to accomplish what I want to accomplish. There's a huge difference between exercising and training. So when you think about spiritual development, It's one thing to practice the exercises of spiritual growth and kind of jump in on them every once in a while, but be open to skipping time. It's a different issue, though, to believe that we're in training for something in particular. This song is is saying that God has a specific and unique plan for each and every one of us. He's calling us by name toward that thing. Let's take a look at the... uh, words in the verses. The verses are inviting us to move from one place to another. There's movement, there's transition, that that you are here or you were here, and God is inviting you to go somewhere else. Verse one, you choose the humble and raise them high. You choose the weak and make them strong. You heal our brokenness inside and give us life. It is essential for us to understand this concept of brokenness, to understand who it is that we are when we come before God. This is an essential piece. Seriously, if we don't get this, if we don't understand who we are before an almighty God, we don't get God. We don't understand our need for him. Now, this provides tremendous hope for those who can identify with verse one, for those who feel humble and weak and broken. This is wonderful, tremendous hope. But for those who perhaps feel like they have it all together, that there isn't a need, this might be puzzling, it may be even repulsive. But it is an important, important piece to understand where we are before God. You are not an equal with God. You are not a peer with God. You don't look eye to eye with God. He doesn't ask you for advice. He doesn't look up to anyone. In the New Testament, James, who is the brother of Jesus, he wrote a great little book. It's near the end of the New Testament. And in the fourth chapter, he says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord. So, so I acknowledge where you are as you come before him and there will be an opportunity for him to elevate you from a place of being low to a place of being high, from here to there. And this flows into the second verse as we get into it. Once again, there's movement. You take the faithless one aside. You speak the words, you are mine. You call the cynic and the proud. Come to me now. Again, there's movement from here to there. These things that are described in verse two 
They're not things that we typically strive for in terms of character development. Now, there may be times where we brag about our cynicism with other people and say, I'm more cynical than you are. Oh yeah, I don't think you're nearly as cynical as you think you are because I'm way more cynical than you are. Think about that. That's just really interesting. That we might, we might brag about some of these things, but in general, these are not things that we want to highlight on our resume. Okay, and an employer doesn't read a resume and say, hmm, faithless, cynical, proud. This is just the kind of person we're looking for. That's a, these are the kind of things we want to move from. We want to move from here to there. There is transitional. There is movement in this stuff that God is calling us to something different as we launch into the chorus, we see for the first time the title of the song. And, uh, and the writer, Paul Balash, he says, the same love that set the captives free, the same love that opened eyes to see, jump down to the fifth line, the same God that spread the heavens wide, the same God that was crucified. I love this idea. It's the same God. For those of you who were with us last year for our whole shebang journey. That's the point of the whole shebang idea. It's all God's story. It's the same God throughout the entire story. That the God who was gracious to Abraham and allowed him to have a son at the age of 100 as part of the Exodus story, that is the very same God who inspired William Wilberforce to challenge the slavery of Africans in England. That it's that the God in the exile story who rescued Daniel from the hungry lions in the den, that's the very same God who hears us when we cry out to him. And then we go into the New Testament story. The God who came down in the form of a person named Jesus Christ, who died on the cross so that we can have a reconciled relationship with God, a restored relationship with God. That God who died on the cross is the very same God who one day will return and restore a new heaven and a new earth. It's the same God. And this very same God is calling us all by name. We see this repeated Throughout the course, it's calling us all by name. It's calling us all by name. That the calling that God has for us, the challenge is not go out there and be a generic better person. Just be generically more like Jesus, gooder. Be gooder. Everyone be gooder. Later. See you later. There is this a unique calling, calling us all by name. I love the concept of the name because when someone says our name, that gets our attention. That when, we, when you use somebody's name, boom, it gets their attention. What do parents do when their kids are in trouble? You don't just use the first name, you use the whole thing, right? <laughs> Alan Keith Buller! I've heard that many times. And my kids have learned that the reverse is true. That when they are trying to get my attention, and, the, and perhaps I'm in a sea of other dads, they know that dad doesn't mean anything. It's as good as hey you. So they understand that they just say, Alan, Alan. And boom, it has my attention, boom. And that's really awkward when your six-year-old calls you Alan. It's really bizarre. And then I look at her and she's giggling because she knows it's kind of weird and, and she knows she's not supposed to do that, but she understands that gets my attention. It works. It's way better than hey, you. If you remember uh, Three Amigos, hey, you, 
Hey, you, you two, look up here, look up here, look up here. The whole thing would have been fixed if they had just used the names. It's, it's when we stay generic that things are just, yeah, I just, I just may or may not pay attention to this scene. But when we use names, it draws us in for that. And God knows your name. The writer of Psalm 139 is David, is King David. It's in the Old Testament and the beginning of Psalm 139, which is all about how much God knows us. David writes, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says that God knows every hair on your head. And I'll skip any jokes in there. You're welcome. But it says, it says God knows every hair on our head. He knows everything about you. He knows your name. He's calling you by name, not just a generic calling, but he's calling you by name. In my, in my experience, there's three different kinds of names in terms of our spiritual story with God. There are false names, there's our birth name, and then there are true, there's our true name. A false name is a title or a description that has been poured onto us at some point that is not who we are. Maybe it came a, a long time ago from someone of authority. Maybe it came from a parent or a coach or a sibling or a, or a friend. Uh, often it uh, comes from just simple thoughtlessness. Sometimes it comes from intentional uh, mean-spiritedness. Something that just has been embedded into who you are. Maybe you've been called pukey because of that one rough night that you had. I don't know. I'm just thinking of examples. Uh, maybe maybe a, a word like, like idiot or stupid or loser or ditzy has been connected to you. Maybe it was told to you one time and the source of that doesn't even recall it whatsoever and it didn't even mean anything to that person, but somehow that has penetrated your heart and it has embedded itself in there, a false name that you have carried with you for your whole life. Some phrase, perhaps. Or maybe it's something that is true about you, but it's not who you are. Something like alcoholic, or adulterer, or criminal. God never uses something like that to challenge you. He doesn't work that way. He elevates us, lifts us up. He never uses stuff like that to humble us, to squish us, to keep it down. That's never the voice of God. He's not a bully. That's always the lie of the enemy. That is always the lie of the enemy whispered into our head, whispered into our hearts saying, who do you think you are? This is who you really are. Because he wants to just keep you down, push you down, crush you down. Then the second type of name is our birth name. And birth names are, are significant. They're very much a significant part of our journey. It's obviously the name we're most familiar with. And our name is a big deal. Somebody calls our name, boom, it gets our attention. 
When somebody misspells our name, boom, it gets our attention. Most people, I think, go through some stage in their life where they don't like their name. Could be when they're a kid, could be when they're older, whatever, some stage where you think, why did my parents call me that? And they, don't, and they don't like it. Some people don't like being called John because it's so common. Other people don't like the, the name Gak because it's so uncommon. Any Gaks in the room? Any? Okay. But, I mean, you, you just there's so many different reasons, but most people get to the point where they just say, this is who I am, and embrace their name. And there's so many interesting names and combinations of names out there. I had a, a friend in Cincinnati, guy who went to the church I was at in Cincinnati. His name was Trip. Wesley. And when I first met him, I asked him the same question that most people ask when they have a conversation with him. Is that your real name? And then he said, I said, yeah, I'm a child of the 60s. And then with great enthusiasm, <laughs> gregariously, he, he, he goes into this big laugh. <laughs> and he does that big laugh every time he tells a story. He must have had this conversation a thousand times. I'm a child of 60. <laughs> it's really weird. And let me tell you, this guy was well-named. Uh, this guy was a trip, I tell you, in so many ways. It's just the name can just be so fascinating how it works and how your birth name is a part of your story and where does that birth name come from and, and who are you named after? It's a significant piece. God knows your birth name. There's a story there. But I think God is even more interested in your true name. In a name that he has for you. There are many times in scripture where a person's name gets changed. Abram becomes Abraham, which means father of many. In the New Testament, Simon was renamed Peter by the Lord, which means the rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church, Jesus says. I've renamed you. This is who you are. This is your new name. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, Verse 17, Jesus says this, To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, only known to him who receives it. Revelation 2, 17. I will give you a new name. This is a name that is given by God. This is not how you see yourself. It's how God sees you. It's not something that maybe is limited by the, by the brokenness or the humility that we're, that we're a part of. It's a name that represents how God sees you. Some people have different names at different stages of their lives, and it's just a phrase or something that says, this is who God sees me right now. This is what I'm longing for. This is what I'm going after. Have you ever experienced God say, this is who you are? Have you ever had a kind of a true name experience with God? It's a beautiful thing, and it's always uplifting. It's an encouraging thing. It's an uplifting thing. Now, we have a choice every day because God is calling us by name, either from our birth name or a true name. God is calling us to a unique and specific thing in life. And we have a choice in terms of how we're going to respond to that. We could ignore it, every day and just say, nope, I'm too busy. I'm not interested in that. I have too many things to take care of right here. When I get this stuff done, when I get through with this list, then maybe I'll be interested in that. We can say, I'm too busy. 
Like the people in the story of the wedding banquet, when, it's, when, when the, the, uh, uh, the man says, go and get the, get the people, invite them to the banquet because the table is ready, and they all, they all have an excuse. I just got married. I just bought this land. I just bought this cow. I can't come. I'm too busy. We can respond that way to the invitations to the calling of God, or we can wake up every day and say, okay, God, this is your day. What do you have planned for us? We can wake up every day and say, okay, what's your plan? What's your calling? Where are we headed today? Where am I headed? Where's my family headed? What's the plan today, God? And believe that he's calling us. If we choose to experience spiritual exercising, in other words, we've learned that some things are important and they're valuable and they're healthy and we're, and we're exercising, that's good, that's a great thing. But it's so easy to just stop, to just take a break, to just wonder, why am I doing this? Why am I exercising? It's a very different thing to believe that we have a unique calling from God, that he's called us by name into something. It's not a generic, be a better person, but God has, has a unique calling for you. It's a very different thing to imagine God saying specifically to you, John, I want you to encourage your wife in a way that nobody else can. It's a whole different thing to imagine God saying, Gak, I want you to connect with people at work in ways that nobody else can or to connect with people in your neighborhood or to participate in a ministry, to, to start a ministry, to join with children's ministry and be a part of investing in eight-year-old kids as a part of children's ministry. Not because Mountain Park needs some help and uh, there's some more arm twisting, but because God has prepared you for the opportunity to have a meaningful experience as part of his plan, as part of his kingdom. Something specific, a calling for you by name. Maybe God is specifically calling you to write a book or write a song or start a company or something. God has something that he's calling you to. A specific plan. And it's way different than just exercising. It means there's something that you are preparing for. If you believe God is preparing you for something, maybe you only have a glimpse of it, you only get 30% of the picture of what it's looking, you can still be in training, in preparation, which is way different than just meandering through spiritual exercises. God is calling you by name. There's a huge difference between exercising and training. Is there something you believe God's training you for? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you that you have a plan for our lives, that you are calling us each by name, that there isn't just a generic plan for all of us, but you take all of these pieces, our name, our story, our, our imperfections, our insecurities, our brokenness, you take all that and say, I have a unique place in the kingdom that I want for you. Father, I pray for those here in the room who believe they have a calling, who believe they have heard a true name from God and they're going after that. I pray that if that's your plan, if you truly are calling them to that thing, bless them, encourage them today, I pray. 
Father, I pray for any in the room who perhaps have, have never experienced anything like this and don't know what a calling is. God, would you come and speak? Would they be attentive this week to hear your voice calling them by name or giving them a new name and saying, this is who I see you as? And Father, we remember the way this song wraps up saying you're calling us, calling us all to the cross. You're calling us all to the cross. There there is uniqueness in this journey, but you're calling us all to the cross, that it's not about us. It's never about our own glory to say, look what I've done. It's about you inviting us in to be a part of transforming the world through the cross of Jesus Christ. Bless this church and all represented here in this room, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.